Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Today we're going to talk about the rapture. Specifically, I'm going to give you four ways that you can know the truth about the rapture. First of all, the big question that we need to start with is, how do we know that the marriage supper actually takes place on Pentecost? Now, at first look, that doesn't look so important. However, see, pre-trib, and let me explain what pre-trib, in case someone doesn't know. Many Christians believe that before the tribulation starts, that they're going to be pulled up in the air, Jesus is going to return and pull them off of the planet, and they're going to go off to the marriage supper where they're going to eat and be happy for about seven years, and Jesus is going to come forth and serve them, and they don't have to go through any trouble. So the rapture means that they get to avoid the tribulation. The tribulation is the last seven years just before Jesus returns. Now, is that accurate? Do they get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb? Is that accurate? Do they get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb for seven years? Well, no, that's not. First of all, the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place and starts on the last Pentecost. How do you know that? Because Exodus 19.1, now here's the situation. Of course, Moses and the children of Israel left on the Passover evening. This is the night that the Spirit of God passed over and killed all of the firstborn, including all of the beasts. Then for three days, they made a trek down to the Red Sea. They passed through the Red Sea on dry ground. And of course, Pharaoh and all of his 600 chariots were all drowned. And then they continued walking. Well, he had them walk over to Mount Sinai. So this is in the third month. The first month was when they left Egypt. The third month was three months later. And it says, in the third month. When the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, and this is Exodus 19.1, the same day when they came into the wilderness of Sinai, and Moses went up to God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say unto the house of Jacob, And tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you into myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be, here it is, you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now you skip down to verse 8, and it says, And all the people answered together and said, What the Lord has spoken, we will do. So he was saying, I will be unto you a God, and you will be my people. And they all said, Whatever the Lord has spoken, we will do. So basically, God offered them marriage. And this is the reason at a marriage ceremony, you see them have a, a call a kippah. Some people say hakipa, But it's this big white kind of like a, a round metal thing that the groom and the bride stand underneath just before they're married. Okay, that represents Mount Sinai because marriage was started at Mount Sinai when God offered the marriage of himself to his people. So when they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and that's the reason we say, I do, <laughs> rather than, you know, I will, okay? We say, I do, because it's out of that same King James language. So when they stand before this kippah, or this big round kind of oval thing up there, they're saying that they're standing at the foot of Mount Sinai, when they say, I do, it is in line with Exodus 19, verse 8, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So we say, I do. In other words, 
That is the third month. Well, why is that so significant? Because of the seven major feasts, only one feast takes place in the third month, and only one, and that is Pentecost. So we know that the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place on the last Pentecost. Well, why is that significant? Because that's about four months before trumpets. Four months later, on trumpets is when Jesus returns for the second and the final time. What? Now, wait a minute. See, this is one of my revelations that I got when I memorized the book of Revelation. When I started re- memorizing Revelation 14, 1, I thought, you know, I don't understand this. And I kept praying, Lord, show me the deep and secret things. Give me the mysteries of the kingdom in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, I saw it. Revelation 14, 1 says, I looked, and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Zion. And with him, 144,000, having his father's name written in their forehead. Well, all of my life, teaching prophecy, I, I can't tell you how many times I would say, no, 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 Jesus is going to return one more time. He returns to the Mount of Olives. He sets his foot down on the Mount of Olives, and they split in two. Wrong. <laughs> That's the final time he returns. He returns to the Mount of Olives. But you see, Revelation fourteen one says, I looked, and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Sion. Well, that's about a 30-minute walk from the Mount of Olives. It's not the same mountain. So that means Jesus has to return two more times. What? Now, wait a minute. This is important. So the final time, the time he returns to burn up the tares and give us all of our rewards, he does, in fact, return on the Mount of Olives. And that's when he returns on trumpets. But... Four months earlier is the marriage supper of the lamb starting. That's when the barley, that takes a long time to explain, and the wheat, that's us. The barley and the wheat go to the marriage supper of the lamb, and that's on Pentecost. And then he comes forth and serves us for about four months. So the marriage supper of the lamb actually takes place about four months, over a four-month period. Then four months later, about... On the Feast of Trumpets is when Jesus returns to set his foot down on the Mount of Olives. So four months earlier on Pentecost is the marriage supper of the Lamb. And 50 days, exactly 50 days before that, is the Feast of Firstfruits. And that's when he sets his foot down on the Mount Sion. I looked, and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Sion, and with him 144,000. And that's 100, without getting into all the complications of it, it's 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys that fits the requirements of the Feast of First Fruits. Again, get my book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, and you'll understand all of this. But anyway, today we're talking about the rapture. So those people that are told, and I was told, and I have to say in my early days of teaching prophecy, I actually thought this because that was the only way I'd ever heard to see it. <laughs> I mean, you go to the Christian bookstore in those days, and, and all you can find is pre-trib books. So I used to say that when Jesus returns, he will pull us up into the sky. We get to avoid the tribulation. We go off to the marriage supper of the Lamb for seven years. That's wrong. And instead, there is no pre-trib. There is no mid-trib. There is no pre-wrath rapture. Instead, Matthew 13, 30 says it very clear, gather you first the tares. Okay, that's the sinners. Bind them into bundles, cast him into the fire. The fire is when he blows his glory or the morning star or the light sword. He brandishes his sword with brandishes, uh, blows with the breath of his nostrils. Okay, that's the morning star. 
And that morning star, as we've talked about before, goes all the way to the center of the earth, sets the foundations of the mountains on fire. The hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. And so all of that happens. And as that morning star hits the center, they fall to the ground in the pile of ashes and bones, destroying both body and soul. As that morning star hits us, out of our belly flows rivers of living water. And just that quick, all of a sudden, we have our glorified body, our light body. Just that quick, we got all of our rewards, our mantles, our crowns, our garments, everything, all at the same time. So as the tares are destroyed, the wheat and the barley get their blessings all in the same day, and that happens on trumpets. But four months before then is the marriage supper of the Lamb. So the pre-tribbers get things out of order because they don't understand the feasts, and they don't have the secret door, which are both revealed in my book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. And today, I'm talking out of my book, How Pre-Trib Won. This is explaining about the pre-trib. Now, I've got several scriptures here I want to talk about specifically, talking about the rapture. First of all, let's go to 1 Thessalonians 4.16. This is the classic verse that the pre-tribbers use to prove that Jesus is going to return to save them so they don't have to go through any trouble. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Well, what's wrong with that, Stan? Well, actually, there's two things wrong with understanding that. First of all, he says, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Other verses tie that shout together on the Feast of Trumpets, as in the last day. With the voice of the archangel, now, see, you and I, we, we misunderstand some of the terms. Like right now, most Americans think that I'm using my voice to speak with. But when you memorize Revelation, you discover the word voice is also referred to the voice of the trumpets. So voice is actually a sound. So when it says with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, it's not saying the archangel goes, "Wee!" and Jesus is returning. <laughs> Instead, when it says the trump of God, it's referring to the seventh trump, the last of the seven trumps. That happens on the Feast of Trumpets. And that's when the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then he blows his glory down, and the tares are destroyed. We get our glorified bodies all in the same moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Then we which are alive and remain should be caught up together with the, in the clouds. Now, here's the problem. I used to think, I used to teach that those clouds, well, those are just some white cumulus clouds up there. It could be just any day we're walking down the street one day in the merry, merry month of May. Jesus returns in the clouds and sucks us in the air, and we don't have to go through any trouble. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. Wrong. No, that's, again, I understand how he used to teach it, but that's wrong. Instead, what it's really saying is, then we which are alive and remain should be caught up together with them in the clouds. Now, what are those clouds? Those clouds are not nice, white, cumulus clouds. Instead, woe to those that desire the day of the Lord, for it is not a day of light, but it's a day of darkness and thick clouds and darkness. Why? Because that's eternity entering into darkness. Now, 
It took me a whole broadcast to explain that, but essentially, before God said, let there be light, if you go back in Genesis, the very first verses, you discover that is talking about when there was eternity, there was darkness. Darkness is eternity. When the darkness came into the camps of the Egyptians, it was a darkness that could be felt. They couldn't get out of their beds for three days. That's darkness. That's eternity. So when Jesus returns, and he returns, and that eternity enters into time, time is a finite thing that lasts 6,000 years, as far as we're concerned anyway. When time is entered, then that's the reason the Bible says in Revelation 6, heaven rolls back like a scroll. So eternity enters into time. Eternity is darkness, and that darkness enters in, the heaven rolls back like a scroll, and then Jesus up there, brighter than a sun, that is him blowing with the breath of his nostrils, brandishing his sword, sending the morning star down. That's the reason it says, then we which are alive and remain should be caught up together with them in the clouds. Them. Who's them? Us, the ones that got to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, been to the marriage supper of the Lamb for the last four months, we are getting to return with Jesus on white horses. And the only thing we have is a white horse and a wedding garment. We do not have our rewards yet. We don't have our crowns. We don't have our, our, our garments. We only have a wedding garment. The reason is because everybody, he says, my reward is with me. And that reward comes on the Feast of Trumpets Everybody gets the same reward. See, the, the, the tares get their reward. At the same time, we get our reward. Their reward is burned up, body and soul. Our reward are crowns and mantles and various garments and various amounts of glowing. Those that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever. So the more people we win to the Lord, the brighter we shine for all eternity. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, does that mean that he sucks us up in the air? No. The first time that we get to meet the Lord in person is when he is returning in the air. That's what it's saying. To meet the Lord in the air. The way we would say that today is to meet the Lord when he's in the air. But it doesn't translate that way. But that's what it's saying. That's the way all of the verses, there's no other way you can calculate them and put it together. Now let's jump to the next one. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now, believe it or not, pre-tribbers use that verse to prove, well, this is proving, that we go before any trouble, actually, <laughs> Noah's further confirmation that he returns on the Feast of Trumpets. You see, if you go back into Exodus, when it came to the Feast of Trumpets, what did they do? <laughs> well, about all they did was blow trumpets. Because the Feast of Trumpets is really not for the Jews. Yes, now there's going to be some Jews that have received Jesus that get their glorified bodies on the Feast of Trumpets too. But you see, the Feast of Pentecost and the Feast of Trumpets are primarily for the church. The Feast of Passover, Unleavened Bread, first fruits, and Atonement is primarily for the Jews. That's a story for another day. But let's go back to 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. So the question is, let me back up. I have to back up a couple of verses here to explain this. Now this I say, brethren, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. 
So what he's answering the question is, is does everybody die before Jesus returns? Let me say it again. Does everybody die before Jesus returns? He's saying, we shall not all sleep. In other words, not everybody will die. Not everybody on the earth will die before Jesus returns. But we shall all be changed. <laughs> that doesn't mean changing diapers. I never forget, I walked into a nursery in a church one time, and they had that scripture up, and we shall all be changed. Well, that's appropriate for, for the nursery where they're changing diapers. But that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about we get changed when we change from corruption See, right now we're in a corruptible body. We're in a body that if it dies, it corrupts, it decays, it falls apart, it turns back to dust. But this is when we're going to be changed from having a mud-based body like we have now to a light-based body. How long does that take? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when does that take place? At the last trump. Well, what's the last trump? How many trumps are there? There is only seven. So that would be the seventh trump. Well, does that fit with what First Thessalonians 4.16 says? Absolutely. It says, and with the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Over here it says, and at the last trump, it is talking about how we change from our mud body to our light body, and it all happens how long? In the twinkling of an eye. In other words, faster than you can clap your hands, all of a sudden that glory, that morning star, he blows his breath, and that morning star from Jesus, that unbelievably powerful morning star, as it hits the earth, you see, that's what, because in him there is no darkness. So once that glory hits the earth, it goes all the way to the center of the earth, you cannot find darkness any place. You can go to the cabinet door, you can open it real quick, but you can't find darkness. You can't find any shadows. There's no shadow of turning, <laughs> the Bible says. In other words, see, everything, 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 everything glows. The sun has been out now at this point, On by, by the time Jesus returns on trumpets, the sun has been out for 72 hours because we know that on the fourth vial, the, seven get, the sun gets seven times hotter, Isaiah 30, verse 26. In the fifth vial, the seat of the beast is turned into darkness. The sun, the literally the sun flame goes out. And when it goes out, it never, ever, ever relights. It goes out. And that's three days, 72 hours before Jesus returns. So when he returns, the sun has been out for about three days. And that's the reason hail falls out of heaven. Every, way, every stone about the weight of a talent, which is about 75 pounds. And in my estimation, and based upon some research on the Internet, it'll probably be anywhere from three foot to as much as seven foot deep all around the earth. And 75-pound hail, according to my estimation, is about the size of a beach ball <laughs> uh, or, or either a, a large watermelon. So try to imagine 75-pound hail. Because What happens? The sun goes out and the earth get, starts getting cold. Finally, it reaches the point to where there's not enough warmth or heat in the atmosphere to keep the water floating. So then it starts to stick together. It starts to fall because at some point there won't be any moisture in the atmosphere. So all of the moisture in the atmosphere, all of it around the whole earth, will all fall into three foot to seven foot deep uh, drifts of these big stones of, of ice all around there. Okay, now back to what we're talking about. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In other words, in a moment, 
in the twinkling of an eye at the seventh trump or the last trump, that's when we get our glorified body. Now, if we're in the grave, we pop out of the grave. However, I want to believe that you and I are not in the grave and we're not alive on the earth. I want to believe that we are at the marriage supper. We've been at the marriage supper. Why? Because at the marriage supper, that's where Jesus changes from being the Lamb of God to being the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Changes from being the prince of the kings of the earth. A prince is one that has, is an uncrowned king. Prince of the kings of the earth to become the king of kings and lord of lords. This is where Daniel 7 says he comes near before the ancient of days and has given him dominion, glory, and a kingdom. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is that which shall not be destroyed. At that point, we get to see our God change from lamb to lion, from prince to king. That's the point of the marriage supper of the lamb. We are not the point of it. We only get a marriage garment. That's all we get. We get a wedding garment, period. That's it. Then four months later, we're given a, a white horse to return with Jesus, and he gets a white horse. Plus, Jesus also gets many crowns. He's given his eyes are like flames of fire, a vesture dipped in his own blood, and a white horse. And then he returns uh, to do the Father's bidding. Now, let's go back to what it says. We shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling, twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Meaning, just that quick, that's when the dead, the alive, the living, <laughs> everybody that is in Christ all get their new wedding garments, their crowns, their light body, except, except there's two groups of people that are not touched. One is those people that have not received Jesus, but they didn't take the mark of the beast either. And the second group of those people that never had a chance to receive Jesus. In other words, those are the people that were pre-Jesus, or you might say those were the Jews. Those are the people that then, 10 days later, they are resurrected at the great white throne on the Feast of Atonement. That's when it's fulfilled. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in them. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to his works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Meaning, that's the judgment of those not in Christ. You're going to find like Adam Eve, Elijah, now probably Elijah's already in heaven based upon the testimony of many people have seen here. However, those kind of people, their judgment will be at the great white throne. Jesus is the judge. Then at the judgment seat of Christ, that's on trumpets. The judgment seat of Christ is a judgment by fire or by the morning star. In other words, if a person is in Christ, they're judged based upon the fire, and some of the people's works will be burned up, and they will be gone. Others will get all of their rewards and whatever, and that's where they hear, well done, the good and faithful servant. Then 10 days later, uh, is the great white throne, that's the dead not in Christ. Jesus is still the judge. That's the Feast of Atonement. Then five days later is tabernacles. That's when the new Jerusalem comes down. Let me come back to that. So judgment seat of Christ is on trumpets. That's when he returns with the morning star. Ten days later, 
the dead not in Christ are judged. Now, this is another one of the big things that uh, had to set straight, because if you read through the book of Revelation, if you just read through it, straight through it, you're going to find that most people have a big misunderstanding. They believe that the great white throne takes place at the end of the 1,000-year millennium. And to tell you the truth, if you just read through the book of Revelation, it appears that way. The first time I was reading through it, probably the 10th or 20th time I was reading through it, I saw the same thing. It's not until I got the secret door that I was able to put these things in correct chronological order. The great white throne does not take place at the end of the millennium. It takes place 10 days after trumpets. On trumpets is when Jesus arises to shake the earth terribly. That's where every mountain falls, every valley fills in, the crooked places are made straight, the rough places are made smooth, there's no more sea. The earth is turned into a nice round smooth ball, except there is one, and there is only one mountain on the earth, and that is the mountain of God. And then 15 days after trumpets, on the Feast of Tabernacles, that's when I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a great voice out of, uh, out of heaven saying, the tabernacle of God is with men, and God will be with them and dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. It shall wipe away all tears and the rise. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. Now there should there be any more pain or any more, ever, 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 ever again. That's when the golden city comes down, and that golden city sets upon that one and that only mountain. Now, if you, if you believe it sounds like I know what I'm talking about, trust me. You memorize the book of Revelation, and what happened is, is I got a whole new spirit. Even my wife, even congregation, everybody around me said, yeah, stand changed. I got a whole new spirit. I call it the revelation spirit, which is why I want you to go to sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. You get signed up and you come here and I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm going to anoint you with revelation oil. There's no power in the oil, but it's representative of Jesus' blood, of course. And I'm going to pray that God will give you that revelation spirit. And so far, everybody I laid hands on say they get it. And that revelation spirit means that they got the same spirit that I got when I memorized the book of Revelation so they can give an answer, so they can teach Bible prophecy to these scared rabbits that didn't think they were going to be in the tribulation. All of a sudden, they wake up, they're in the tribulation, and they're scared to death. They don't know what's going on. And they're going to need somebody, and that somebody is you. If you're listening to this broadcast, if you've listened more than two or three times, then I tell you right now, you don't listen to this broadcast too long without getting turned off. If you're not of Christ, if you're not interested in Bible prophecy, you, you, you turn it. So if you're listening after two or three times, you're called. You're called to be a watchman, my brothers and sisters. You are called to be a watchman. You're called to be of this crusade, too. You come to this crusade. I'm going to anoint you to receive the revelation spirit. My wife, Prophet Leslie, is going to anoint you to receive a prophetic gifting. And we're going to anoint you to receive the sevenfold miracles. Now, no one has even seen them yet. But I personally believe they're going to hit on about or around March 27th, which is Passover 2021, just like Coverstone was told. He said, Passover 2021. Big things are coming for the world. Big things are coming for the world. He repeated, repeated it twice. I believe that on about or around that same weekend, March 27 to 30, we're going to see sevenfold miracles. And I want to be there. I want you to be there. And... It'll be the most, probably the most important day of our life outside of receiving Jesus. Because on that day, I believe that the mighty rushing wind is going to move through the room and mighty 
big things from God are going to be done. You, go, you get there by going to sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. Sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. You also want to go to prophecyclub.com and get those books. Sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com, prophecyclub.com, watchprophecyclub.com. Go to those websites. The Sevenfold Miracle Crusade is the start of the greatest miracle revival in American history. We're building an army of prophecy teachers and miracle workers to bring in the remaining names in the Book of Life. People who feel a desire to teach prophecy to a scared, uninformed public in panic having found themselves in the end times unprepared without understanding. People who desire to be used in sevenfold miracles greater than any in the past should be at this crusade. We will all break our three-day consecutive fast at our Passover meal and follow the footsteps of Moses through Passover, unleavened bread to the crossing from the sin of Egypt to the sevenfold promised land of first fruits. I will personally anoint and lay hands on all attending to receive the gift to teach prophecy and to walk in sevenfold miracles. This is not advertised to the public. This is for prophecy students who want to be empowered to serve in the last days. SevenfoldMiracleCrusades.com to register. SevenfoldMiracleCrusades.com. Sign up today. You can have instant access to over 200 titles on a recurring monthly subscription of $20 or yearly for $200 at WatchProphecyClub.com. CornerstoneAssetMetals.com is owned by a prophecy student who reads his King James Bible and supports Prophecy Club. Call CornerstoneAssetMetals.com for gold, silver, palladium, rhodium bars, or coins that can help you roll over your IRA, 401k. So tell CornerstoneAssetMetals.com Prophecy Club sent you.